you are listening to Takedowns to Breakdowns. Mr. Microscopics, how have you been? You know, I, I've been better since our uh, our last episode, for sure. Um, I had some time to actually clear my mind, um, clear from all the poisonous thoughts, I guess I would say. And, uh, you know, I had a nostalgic moment yesterday because, I, you know, I was trying to figure out what would be best for me, workout-wise and stuff. And uh, Yeah. Went to my parents' house because my dad actually cleaned out the garage, um, and they had bought a new treadmill. And so I was like, oh, my God, that's perfect. I brought my kettlebell over, uh, my foam roller, my uh, ab roller, deep push-up bar thing. And, uh, dude, I put on some August Burns Red. Hell and I yeah. just felt very nostalgic just from years ago, you and I training <laughs> in your garage. It was pretty good. And good. I'm, I'm not going to lie, just having those thoughts, too, like just imagining you there, like just overseeing what I was doing was motivation enough. And uh, yeah, man, you know, just doing the goblet squats and running. I, I, I only run like a mile. I don't do anything crazy. Um uh, I ran mile on the treadmill, got back off, started doing other things with the kettlebell, used the ab roller for a little bit, just kind of doing my own thing. I'm not really sticking with like a, a DVD program at the moment, but it felt good. Like I felt good. That's great. Um, when, when did you do that? Like this week? Yes. Yeah. So I'm trying to stick to a Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule. Ooh. So I did it yesterday. Um, so I'm going to do it again tomorrow and then again Friday, which works out because my parents have my daughter while I'm at work Wednesdays and Fridays. So I go to pick her up anyways. So I figure while I'm there, get a workout in, then I could come back home with my daughter. So the timing is just perfect. Hey. See, you're finding yeah. something that fits. That's that's all you need, my dude. That's all you need. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny because, like, with the the video game thing, right? The uh, the Ring Fit. Yeah. Doing that challenge just, like, a Monday through Friday, just every day, it's like the game aspect of it was fun, but just every day doing something. Like, I feel like I wasn't giving my body enough time to recover as weird as that sounds uh considering like it's the less harsh version of like uh you know compared to like a a rush fit or doing something like an insanity or whatever but oh yeah like your body still needs to recover yeah and i just felt defeated like don't get me wrong like saturdays and sundays was like a vacation but then just knowing like i had to do it again for another five days straight was kind of like a nightmare so I'm going to try to stick with this Monday, Wednesday, Friday thing and uh, see how it goes. But yeah, man, like, like I said, I got very nostalgic and uh, I still remember a shit ton of things you had shown me over the years. And I think over time, I need to start investing in new equipment. Uh, one of the first things I wanted to get actually were the clubs, those like what, 10, 15 pound clubs that you had. Oh yeah, the, uh, the, the the dual clubs. 
Yes, yep. yeah, because I want to start doing the lunge exercises with the extending of the arms. Uh, I want to do that exercise um, where you're standing, but like you're you're almost turning your arm, going around like this. Yeah, you're doing like halos. Like you're making halos with it. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, so I, uh, like I said, now I just, I have this, like, this spark again to start doing stuff that you and I used to do a lot. Um, and I have, like, an actual place to do it in, um, in the privacy of, you know, at my parents' house, you know, and I can make all the noise I want. It's great. That's good. So, yeah, dude, no, that's, that's, but yeah, so that's, um, that's super awesome. I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad the garage sessions had such good, uh, effects, long lasting effects. Um, yeah, I mean, steel clubs, uh, they're, you can get wooden clubs too. Um, so there's steel clubs and wooden clubs. Those are pretty good. Mm. Um, you can get the mace, if you remember the mace work that we used to do. Oh, oh my God. Do I remember the mace work? The, like, oh, my... It's, you know, it's funny because I remember those being a bitch, but I get why they're useful. Just that that off-balance feeling, man. It's really interesting. How you fight Doing it. curls, knowing... Yeah. Doing yep. uh, doing the bench press even I had you, I had you doing bench presses with it on the ground. Yes, yes. It's... Curls bench press, though almost like you're uh, like you're, you you have an axe. You know you let you you like spin it around overhead and then you bring it back to your center. Oh yeah. Do the same thing with the other side. Bring it back and you're just switching and I th- alternating. I think that was only a fifteen pound uh, <laughs> fifteen pound steel mace. I think it was only fifteen pounds. Get the fuck out of here. That was only 15 yeah. pounds. Well, it's because... That felt like 50. I know, because with maces, all the weight's at the end in the ball. So it's, Very so it's true. all leverage. So it's all just working against you 24-7. Okay. Because you, know I mean? you can't center on it. Only way you can center on it is if you choke all the way up to the end part. That's the only way you can really true. like equalize the weight distribution on it. Because besides that, because you're supposed to keep your hands as far away from it as possible... That's why it's so difficult. I remember. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, man. No, no, that shit. But uh, yeah, man. That shit's good. That's good. I, yeah. I actually went to the went to a gym for the first time in all of COVID. Mask on or off? Mask on. Ah. Uh, Mainly because you have to. It's just a part of like businesses now if no shirt no shoes no mask no service that's kind of what it is now yeah i'm just surprised that at this point gyms would even take that risk though knowing that depending on how hard somebody might be working themselves like to have the mask on you're restricting your breathing like what if somebody's training cardio i did cardio today that was fine it doesn't restrict it doesn't restrict breathing the way you think it does it's the only thing it does do is because I wear glasses that it fogs up my glasses sometimes. That's the only thing it does. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't really restrict yeah. the 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 airflow. The only the bigger concern isn't the mask itself. It's the people who take off their mask because they don't want to follow the rules. 
True. You know, that's the equivalent of somebody who's like, I don't want to wear shoes. So I have athlete's foot and I don't give a fuck. So I'm going to walk around barefoot and touch shit. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's similar to that kind of, that kind of situation. So it's just like, yeah, yeah. You just hope everybody's the big thing with like the mask stuff is the bottom line is I don't give a shit if it's all, if it ends up all being like not true. It's a matter of, do you want to be considerate of somebody else? And that's the bottom line. It's like, do you want to possibly prevent something? Because it's not really doing right. anything negative besides that. It's really only positive. It's just a nuisance. That's all it is. But I mean, there's people who only put on half a seatbelt or they attach the seatbelt and sit in front of it like because they think it's a nuisance. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. That's fine. You're just going to go through the windshield. Like that's that's just, yeah. you know what I mean? Like that's just... That's fine because you're impacting yourself, but like it's it's not like you're impacting somebody else directly with that. It's the equivalent. So now you know I mean? it's like secondhand smoking. It's like you should secondhand smoke. You should smoke in a designated area because if I don't want to have con- cancer causing agents in the air that I can breathe that have scientifically proven to cause cancer in people who don't smoke, just getting secondhand smoke can increase your right. cancer chances. It's like. Right. Just go over there and smoke. You can still smoke. Just do it away from me. Do it in an area where everybody else who's in the area around you loves smoking. And then, cool, you're in a community yeah. of smokers. Yeah, stick to your own kind, right? <laughs> um, are they limiting uh, the amount of people in their gyms? No. Okay. So they could have a full house. Yeah. As long as you're wearing a mask. Yep. You got to wear a mask. Um, they shut down. They do two massive full facility cleanings twice a day. Um, so they shut down and they do it for an hour at each piece, um, middle of the day and at the end. Um, yeah. The cardio machines are, are taped off. So you can only do every other cardio machine. And uh, gotcha. if you're within six feet of another person, you have to have a mask on. That's pretty much it. So if you're the only yeah, person yeah. in like the power rack area doing squats or deadlifts or overhead presses or something, and there's nobody around you, you technically could take the mask off. Okay. But the second somebody comes to the area, you have to put it back on. Yeah. Yeah. You might as well just keep it on at that point. That's though. what I did. I was so tired of monitoring it. of like, Oh, is that person close? Um, well, especially if you're in the middle of a deadlift too, you got your, you know, how many, couple hundred pounds you got going on all of a sudden somebody's walking by you yeah you're like oh shit and you have to drop <laughs> it just to put the mask back on it's like and here's the thing like i didn't even notice the mask after the after the first 10 minutes i didn't even notice it it's fine i did mm. cardio I, I worked uh i worked the air bike uh not the air bike i did i worked the spin bike i worked um the row machine for 20 minutes then I went and did pull-ups and overhead presses and preacher curls and skull crushers and lateral raises and lat pull-downs and face pulls. And I did all that shit and totally fine. You don't even notice that you have it on. Mm. After a while, it's it's not a big deal. But the thing is, is that like my experience of being in the gym wasn't hindered at all by the mask or even the protocols of, oh, you have to walk this way and you have to exit through this way. I don't, I don't give a shit. That's just a layout of a gym. I'm not like... I can't handle change. No, my exit door has always been this exit door. I can't have a different exit door. Like, I don't give a shit. It's not that life-threatening to me or altering to me where it breaks my psyche. The the thing that made me like kind of realize, I don't know if I want to keep going to a commercial gym, is just the grodiness of other people. 
Like, I haven't worked out around other mm. people in four months. I've been working out at home. And then to work on somebody else's schedule. Oh, I hope there's a bench open to do bench press. At home, I don't have that problem. I hope there's a squat rack available so I could do overheads. At home, it's not a problem. Oh, man, what's that fucking smell? Oh, it's that dude over there who's got bad BO. I don't have that problem at home. Hey, it's a 30-minute commute each way. Nope, don't have that problem at home. Yeah. Oh, man, this this yeah. equipment's fucking gross. It's like, well, it's, my equipment's great because I take care of it at home. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny, too, because, like, I, I think, and this goes for any sort of business, I guess, at this point, where a lot of people are starting to realize, like, hey, we can actually save a shit ton of money and not have to deal with not only commuting, but other people and their bullshit as well by doing this stuff at home and we're getting the same benefits, like whether it's working out or just something as simple as cooking and not not being able to go to a restaurant for a little while. It's like, oh, well, you know, we just save a couple hundred bucks. You know, how often do we go out to eat? Yeah. And, yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I like another thing is I'm in the middle of doing a bench press. I'm in the middle of bench pressing, and these two dudes walk up, like within kicking range. Like I could kick them because they stood so close to the bench while I'm mid reps, and they start asking my friend and I, "Oh, how many more sets you guys got?" And it's just, dude, I'm in the middle of lifting. Just can you wait till we finish? Like yeah. he's my friend's focused on my form and he's focused on spotting me. I'm focused on my form and my reps and I'm counting and you're coming up and having a conversation. And it really irked me, not because they did that, because no, that's considerate of them to ask because they, they want to plan out. But it immediately made me realize I don't deal with the shit at home. I can just bang out my shit at home and not worry about that. It's, a, it's mm. my time on my equipment in my space. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's no yep. commute, and it's just a walk out. And granted, I know I have the privilege of a garage, you know, within, you know, like two feet of, of where I live. So I can go there and lift. I know that's fine. I know you don't have that in the same capacity. So it's different. But it's just, yeah. Also, you're in a more populated area. So I feel like gyms are way closer and way more numerous for you. Like the closest gym mm -hmm. for me that I go to is 30 minutes away. Okay, so I wanted to ask before, you said you went to a gym well, for the first time in a while. Yeah, I went to a gym for the first time in a while, since COVID. Is it the gym that you've always gone to, or is this a new gym? No, it's the gym I've always gone to. Oh, okay, okay. It's the gym I have a membership for. They have different locations, and so, I mean, the yeah. closest one for me was that. I'm sure there's other gyms that I could pay for that would be closer, but they're way more expensive than the gym I go to. Yeah, I want to say we have one Planet Fitness, literally a five-minute drive from where I'm at here in Naugatuck. Uh Then there's, I think it's an Edge Fitness Club, which is maybe also five minutes from yeah. where I live. And there might even be another one i know they were recently building a new gym here in town and i'm not sure if it's up and running yet um due to this you know whole situation but yeah there's like two or three gyms just in my town alone yeah so within you, like a five minute distance but yeah so you're very lucky i don't have a, a gym in, in the immediate vicinity of me so um yeah so yeah so that's uh so that's another thing so I was really happy to be back in the gym. I was really happy to start being active like that again. But 
I used to go four times a week, and right now with the COVID stuff, I'm planning on only going twice a week. And mm-hmm. it's just to limit exposure. You know what I mean? It's 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 anything involving risk is a, is a statistic. It's mathematical. It's the more you do it, the higher the risk. Bottom line. The more mm-hmm. you swim, the higher the risk of drowning. Bottom line. The more you drive, the higher risk of getting a speeding ticket or getting in an accident. That's just how it works. There's, It's a numbers game. Eventually, your number can come up because it's just a numbers game. It's the odds. You're playing odds. So if I can limit my exposure, and I do this with hockey right now. I'm playing hockey every other week with my friends in a private pickup game instead of every week. Mm. Even though the numbers are really low because they're trying to minimize contact and exposure, I'm still not okay with the constant exposure possibility so i just do it every other week so right now it's hockey every other week which i like and right now it's the gym twice a week and so far i'll be honest it was rewarding to do it again but it wasn't the same jazzed up feeling that i used to get from the gym it just wasn't the same and maybe it's the mental aspect i'm in a very different place i have a new job i do very different things at this new job um i have different responsibilities I have a different work-life balance, an extremely different work-life balance. So it's very possible that I just don't feel that like the fire doesn't burn as hot for me with everything that's going on to have to go to the gym when I know I get good workouts at home. Like my numbers were not crazy off. I know I definitely lost strength and I definitely lost cardio stuff, but like it wasn't like I couldn't do a pull-up. I was afraid I wouldn't be able to do a pull-up. And I was able to do what I do. I did three supersets. So I did I did like 20 plus pull-ups. And I was afraid I was only gonna be only gonna be able to do one or two. So that was a thing. Mm. You know what I mean? I thought I wouldn't be able to overhead press. Um I was able to get within like a 15, 20 pound range of what I was doing pre-COVID. You know what right. I mean? Um I'm definitely not where I was when I was at the gym all the time in peak condition, but I haven't followed. I didn't fall off the way I thought I would by working out at home with limited equipment. I've had a kettlebell and a sandbag and that's it. Yeah. I've been running, doing pushups, doing banded squats and shit like that. Like I haven't done anything else. That's all I've been doing. And, um, yeah, it's with just a sandbag and a kettlebell and some resistance bands. I've been able to not lose as much as I thought. So I feel it only validates my thoughts of maybe I just start building a home gym because it's more convenient. Now, if I had a plan of fitness five minutes away from me, that's probably not going to happen because I could just go there with a commute that's not ridiculous like what I have now to get to. And the convenience factor of having all that equipment is great. So I would probably be doing that instead, but I don't have that. Mm -hmm. So. So yeah, that's, that's yeah. I know. I I noticed that even with um, just going to like my local Walmart or something, and you go down the exercise like fitness aisle, and literally they, there's like maybe two two pound dumbbells left. I, like everybody has the idea at this point to just build their own like personal gym at home, you know. Whereas it's funny, like years ago, you see people all the time trying to get rid of their home gyms because it was an inconvenience, like you know, yes. like. Yes. Back then it was like, well, what the fuck? Like I could just pay for a membership to go somewhere where they're going to maintain and update uh, the gym equipment all the time. So my money will go towards that 
Whereas I have to spend all this money on a fucking Bowflex or something, and pretty soon that's going to get outdated. Then I got to come up with the money again, and it's going to take up so much space. And now it's like we're reverting back to that. In a way, but, I mean, yeah, yeah it's, it's. I, I feel like. I feel like before COVID, home gyms were people's investment into, no, I'm going to buy the equipment so I don't have excuses. But you can always make excuses. It's easy. It, right. Like, that's not, that's, the money investment can just be washed away because the money is just digital numbers and an app on a website for you to see. So it's easy for people to, despite the investment, still say over time, oh, I just, I haven't used it in a while. My knee hurts, so I took a break, and then I just haven't picked it back up again. Or, oh, you know, life gets busy, so I just, you know, it just, it just dropped off. It happens. I get it. But I think that was before. And like you said, the now is different. It's different with COVID. It's different with what people are doing. Like, right now, because I've been researching gym equipment for home, like weights and stuff mm. like that. Dude, companies are backed, like back ordered up until end of August, beginning of September. Wow. So they're a month, a month and a half out before they can fulfill orders because they're so sold out. Wow. Yeah. It's because the second there's a second wave coming. The rest of the country is in the middle of a of of a of a surge. You know what I mean? Like how many? How many? Like yeah. I don't even know. I know the majority of of the big states are having problems with their numbers jumping up again. Like. And then everybody keeps saying, like, well, the conditions of once it gets into the colder seasons is just ripe for transmitting the disease even further. And then they're talking about, you know, kids going like going back to school as somebody who doesn't have kids. I don't know what that's like, but I know kids always get sick and the, the kids parents always get sick because I work with ki- with kids parents and they always call out sick because their kids gave them something yeah. from school that they picked up from their child. So it's the possible, the possible, the very real possibility of, of a second wave coming and places shutting down out of concerns of overriding the hospitals again means gyms are shutting down again. <laughs> so it's like, maybe I should just invest for the now and the future of just getting a home gym. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean... I'm sure I said this before in a previous episode, but I'm literally like, and I've thought this since two weeks, the first two weeks in, like we shouldn't have been shut down for as long as we have been. And I feel like we should have ripped the bandage off. If we get exposed to it, let us, let us get those antibodies. And we probably would have been living a normal life by now. You know, and I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole either. This isn't the podcast to do it on my (laughs) theories and explanations as to what I believe is going on. But uh, going to going on to what you were saying before, you know, because I myself, you know, uh, being a father of a six year old who's I don't know if she's actually going to be physically going to school or staying home uh we actually still have her computer like the school the 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 board of ed never even collected the computers because they don't even know what's going on you know and um 
All I know is there's talk of two options. They're either going to open up school where the first couple weeks are going to be half days, which doesn't work for the parents and their work schedules, or option B, there's it's going to be homeschooling again. But then there was also talk of half homeschool and half showing up to the school. But if you're... And, what kills me is they want these little kids to wear masks all day. And that's my problem is my six-year-old is not going to wear a mask for seven hours straight. <laughs> no, kids are neither not, is any kids, other six-year-old. Here's a better question. What kid washes their hands? <laughs> like, well, here's what kills me too, right? Okay. So I think a couple times they're going to get breaks throughout the day, but then we hear, oh, uh, during, they're, when, when they're going out for recess, that's when they get to take the masks off. They're going to be fucking touching each other. Yeah, exactly. Playing tag and running around, but they don't have to wear a mask then? Yep. Anyways, again, this isn't the, pod, the, this isn't the podcast for that kind of talk. But No, but I, yeah, I, it's, I, get, it's, I, uh, I get your concern because I have the same feeling when yeah. places are like... Oh, you have to wear a mask just to come in, but then you can take it off. And it's just, w- wait, what? Excuse me? <laughs> like, what's yeah, the fucking point it, then? <laughs> exactly. Either have us wear it or tell it or just don't wear it and just be like, we don't believe in masks. It's like, okay, well, stand by that. Fucking don't half-ass yeah. that um, and just confuse everybody. But yeah, we don't have mm. to get into the, into, into neither of us are scientists, so we don't need to get into the scientific talk about disease prevention and shit like that but we can't talk about fitness and we can't talk about martial arts and i was working out today at the gym and you know what i thought i thought man i kind of feel rusty but i kind of feel like i'm getting back into it imagine if i had four months off of martial arts and i had to go back into martial arts like in a dojo or in a in a school and i had class Mm. again what would that feel like do you know what i mean so so I think it would depend on your style. Ultimately, what it comes down to is conditioning of the body, which is similar to you going to the gym, working out the rust, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, when you and I were doing jujitsu, it's, oh, shit, like, am I able to uh, get into a wrist lock by another student as easily? Like, could 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 I handle it better? Or... Did my muscles and my joints and my tendons have time to recover? So now if I go back into this art and all of a sudden I'm in a wrist lock again, am I going to be fucked up for the next two weeks? Right, because your you body's know, not used to same that. Same thing with... Exactly. Same thing with uh, limb conditioning when you're striking a bag, striking, you know, uh, just whatever to condition your arms, your legs, your shins. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, I don't have anything to train at home, but now after so many months, let's go back in, you know, let's hit the back for a little bit. Ooh, are your knuckles going to be a little, little soft? Are those shins going to be a little sensitive? You know? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd say as far as katas go, I mean, you know, you can learn your katas at home, depending on your style anyways. Obviously, you need for jujitsu somebody there with you. It's kind of hard to do, like, air wrist locks and, like, certain holds and stuff. But, I mean, for a striking style, 
you could always practice your katas, practice your forms. Uh, as far as you know, con- actually, you know, the actual conditioning aspect of it. Hey, if you have the equipment to do it, I mean, good for you. But yeah, I I think that would be a challenge getting back into it. And also, I guess just getting back into that mindset, right? Um, of be- putting on your gi or your uniform and having your instructor or sensei master there overseeing what's going on. Uh, because another thing is, what if for the last three, four months, you've been doing things the wrong way, but to you, you were doing it the way you thought it was supposed to be done. Mm. And now all of a sudden, you're working off those bad habits you just developed. So, yeah, it, you know, there's there's pros and cons to it, getting back into something like that. So Yeah, no, that's a good point. Like, the rust factor is something that um, I'm, I'm real curious about because there were times when I would miss just a week of class and I would feel rusty going back in of just, oh, man, I hope I didn't lose a step. Like, you think... I don't know. I, I think it's very hard, and I, I want to say it's the ego that does this. I want to say it's all ego-based um, of how we perceive ourselves. We perceive ourselves as special or unique or capable, and and we've mentioned this before in the podcast about how the reality of the situation is when you're getting smashed by somebody and you're just like, but I thought I was a badass. I thought I could defend myself. It's like, nope, you're getting choked out mm-hmm. now. <laughs> you're, you're going out. That's what that means. Um, or yeah. no, I could totally keep somebody off of me, and then they're just on top of you for five minutes straight, and it's just, and you're you just your body's just giving up. I feel like that's also the same thing when it comes to uh, the capabilities in situations like a four month layoff of coming back. I think I don't want to have the perception that UFC or just MMA fighters in general, but I, I say UFC because I immediately think of, uh, and I know we lean on him so hard but gsp's hiatus and how he came back with his ring rust and how he won after his ring rust but like you can't use the professional fighters in any organization i think as a basis because they have professional fight camps you know yeah it's different when they get into a cage but it's not like they had no time on the mat and no time in the cage uh in their gym you know what i mean it's not like they didn't have work put in of refueling it i I also think, and I think you mentioned a part of this, I think it's based on the teacher. Can you imagine going back to class after having a month off, just one month, and having like our sensei, like Sensei Neely, his expectations are, well, you were training at home. There should be no difference. Right. <laughs> like, just, what are you nervous about your form for? You were practicing every day, right? Because you say you're a martial artist and that's what's expected of you. <laughs> there should be no... You should have no concern about how you're going to perform. You should be just as yeah. good as that as when you left. Like that's his perception. That's his belief. I'm sure there's plenty of teachers. I, I think I think he's the minority. Of course, I think you and I have both isolated the fact that he's a unique gem of a teacher that way. Because I think the majority of teachers would say, "Oh yeah, you probably haven't done shit. So let's start from scratch again and build you back up." Compared to him saying, "All right, cut a five green. Let's see it." <laughs> Yep. Just it's just throwing you to the wolves. Just all right, well Yeah. You're a martial artist, right? That means you uh been practicing, so let's see it. Go. Go through all yeah, go man, through it's, all it's, your cottas starting with yellow. I wanna see him. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> just 
just oh shit <laughs> yeah he you know in- instructors like him they're they're a rare gem for sure you know especially the people out there that are only doing it for the money but yeah i i i'll never forget like when unfortunately like i i you know i was done taking classes there and uh i remember just putting myself in a certain situation like i remember just after like a month off of just not doing jujitsu anymore like just trying to twist my wrist in a way that any of you guys would have back in class like a nikio and yeah, yeah and i couldn't handle like just even a millimeter i was like oh my god i can't believe like what my body went through in class and like what i was capable of taking yeah never mind doing to other people but just uh, the 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 pain resistance that i've de- developed yeah. in certain areas of my body the flexibility you know, that, the, the awareness the feeling yeah. of, of it being normal yeah 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 no speaking of teachers and a, a slight shift of gears did you know that ip man 4 was released on netflix and the story Star- of ip man is this 4, a donnie yen one yep and Ip Man 4 is the story of when Donnie Yen comes to America to oversee Bruce Lee, his student. So I take oh, it... Oh, now I, I got a movie to watch. Yeah. Okay, so I wanted to get your opinion on this. Now, you don't, you don't have to have seen the movie. You have, you, it's not like you... We can't talk about this, this theme that I want to ask your opinion on. Um... But in the movie, they obviously touch base on the fact that Bruce Lee was looked at by his uh, Chinese counterparts literally as a traitor of you're not allowed or accepted within our martial arts circles because you're going against our our code of martial arts, which is we are Chinese martial arts for Chinese. You're trying to teach it to Westerners. You're trying to broaden and give away tradition and culture and and techniques that we were mm. honed and and isolated and uh, refined through generations of our people and i mean in the movie obviously um donnie yen's character he's 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 not in america for bruce lee he's in america for his family but he checks up on bruce and he defends Bruce's stance of, I think what he's doing is that's his decision to do with uh, martial arts. And I think him wanting to branch out to more people grows martial arts. And then everybody else kind of had the sentiment of what I said of, well, that's it's too bad that you think it's okay to, to tarnish our culture and our reputation by watering it down for the masses and by defacing, you know, the respect and the honor of the code of our martial arts. So I want to get your opinion of what you think about that kind of dynamic of where does, and this is a very loaded question. Where does a, like a Sifu kind of stand in your eyes in something like this, in this kind of situation where it flies in the face of the code of honor, respect and tradition that's embedded in the culture of that martial art. And you could take anything and like, as an example, you can. We could talk about kung fu. You could talk about jujitsu, jitsu. You could talk about BJJ. You talk about judo, hapkido, uh, kyokushin. Uh, you can talk about anything you want. Um, 
in reference to this, but we experience martial arts now in a world where it's openly global, all of it. It's very, some of it's not, some of it's not, some of it's still rooted in Japan or China or Korea. Some of it's still heavily rooted to, well, no, you need to respect the, the, like the, the tradition of what this is. That's, that's still, that still Mm -hmm. does exist, but it's rare. I'm saying your opinion of back then, when that kind of shift of attitude and, and action took place. Like how, like what's your take on that? Do you think it is disrespectful? Do you think it is uh, a defacing of a tradition and a, a code of culture, or do you think no? It's a good business move, free market. It's wanted. You're putting it out there. Whatever, you know. You get a black belt, and you get a black belt, and you get a black, like like. What's your thoughts on? <laughs> so here's here's the thing. Well, first off, it's even crazy to think like what this was only like sixty years ago that he he was going through this with his people. You know what I mean. Right, like it, it, it wasn't. It hasn't even been like a hundred. It's not like no. this was a hundred, a couple hundred years ago where this was an issue. Like this, this was in the fucking what fifties, maybe sixties yeah. when this happened. Yeah, because yeah, he died in seventy two. So this must have been, if I had to guess, in the sixties when this all took place. Uh, so I mean, just thinking about, I I, I kind of go beyond that, right? I just think of like where the world in general was mentally when it came down to. Uh, race in general and certain cultural things, you know? So it was like, okay, the Chinese had a problem with him, with Westerners, but then it's like we could go about the whole, like, you know, white and black issue. And, you know, so, I mean, race was definitely a big thing. Segregation was a big thing still. Um, And I feel like that's what, and I'm going to say, because I, I, I truly don't know about any other Asian uh, country, but specifically the Chinese in this in this situation, you know, the, you know, they, they had an issue with, you know what it is? Here's what I don't know. Did the, it, Was it the issue of Bruce showing Westerners their culture or the idea of Westerners trying to get involved with eastern cultures i think it was both remember the story of chuck norris no no about how he they he he wasn't allowed to train when he was over in asia i think it was japan oh i i have no idea no oh yeah i think it was japan or korea i forget but he wanted to train i want to say i want to say it was japan in judo i want to say that's what it was or maybe it was korea and maybe it was taekwondo i forget but long story short he wasn't allowed and when he they finally he kept showing up, so they let him in, and then they just beat the shit out of him, and they kept beating the shit out of him, and they kept beating the shit out of him. But he kept showing up because he he was a he was earnest. He had purity in his intent of why he wanted to learn martial arts, and eventually that dojo accepted him, that school accepted him, and said, "Oh, you wish you really do wish to learn. You really do are you really are a martial artist and you really take this as a martial artist. So yes, we will train you. But it took like months of him getting his ass beat over and over and him having to earn respect and earn face among uh, that that culture mm. and that society. Mm. I forget which one. I remember um I remember Sensei was telling the story about Chuck Norris uh because he was saying about how he saw him in competitions back in the day. And Mm. Yeah, I think it, I think it was when Chuck was in the military, and he was stationed out there, 
And that's when he was trying to learn. But they wouldn't teach him. It wasn't until he earned the opportunity to get in there and then earned their time that they were willing to start teaching him. It's kind of like The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise when mm-hmm. Tom Cruise wanted, like, his character wanted to learn how to sword fight and they didn't really teach him. They just beat the living shit out of him. <laughs> like, they were just, okay, take, go ahead, take the piece of wood. You think you, you want to fight? I'm not taking it easy. I'm going to fucking beat the shit out of you. <laughs> they just knocked him out a bunch of times. <laughs> and then finally, they saw that he kept doing it and he kept trying to learn and he kept wanting to. He kept studying their movements and he would practice the movements by himself. And they realized he he's very genuine in it with his intent. He does have respect mm. and honor for what this is. So we will teach him. And they finally teach him how to fight with the sword. Now, that's mm. a fictional story. That's not what actually happened. But there are instances of that happening. And I believe Chuck Norris is the, the most popular story version of that kind of story where in out east it was oh yo you're not learning you want to come into this federation to learn no you're not you're not korean you're not japanese you're not chinese you're not allowed in here it was one of those things yeah like like i said i I think segregation in general wasn't just a white on black thing i think it was a worldwide thing and it was races against other races you know and um so I'll answer your question this way. If was the question if I was a Sifu and I saw this happening to one of my students who was trying to teach? No, no, just just your opinion on on like how on the idea of on it. that how that happened. You know what I mean? I mean, again, it's if we're going to talk about segregation, it's hard to really say the same thing of as a comparable today. Segregation's not a thing. You know what I mean? Oh, right. Back then, it was a thing. So for me to say, what's your opinion on segregation from the from like the 30s? It's just that's not a thing. Um, That's not. It's hard to say that. But if you could put your shoes into somebody from the 30s, like how would you take it? So, so that's what I was gonna say, right? Like if okay, if I went, if I lived in in this time period, sometime I would assume in the 60s, 50s, 60s. and I noticed this happening as a Westerner. Uh, I mean, I'd be moved by it. And if anything, even back then, I think I would have been more prone to want to learn considering there were certain people of Asian descent that are willing to teach, you know, whereas... I would have probably grown up knowing like, oh, nobody would accept me. Like, oh, there's this karate school like in uh, Little Tokyo or whatever, or or down like a, a Chinatown or something, but I can't go in because I'm white. Right, right. Uh, but hey, like now I, I'm so inspired to even, to, to just walk into these schools now because, hey, there's this guy with his Sifu backing him up on this. Like, no, like this, should, we should, you know, this is a good thing. We should be teaching the, you know, forget Western, like not just the Westerners, the world. Like it doesn't matter what your cultural background is or your ethnicity. Like the idea is if you have that passion, you have the heart, the spirit, you know, like anybody should have that privilege. If- and I think I'd be more inspired to go to that local karate school that, 
you know, I was afraid to walk into before for sure. Okay. Okay. That's, that's very interesting about how your take on it is you, you aim for the inclusivity of it. It's martial arts should be inclusive. That's Mm. not that it's weird. It's just, it's, it's not traditional. Right, because traditional martial arts right, is right. well. Oh no, the best Brazilian jiu-jitsu artists should be Brazilian. No, the best Taekwondo, you know, fighters should be Korean. The best judo practitioners should be Japanese. The best blah blah blahs should be blah blah blahs. That's kind of the mm-hmm. uh, sentiment that's usually heard in, in in from a traditional perspective. You know what I mean? And then for mm-hmm. you to say, well, no, it should be inclusive into the global stage of the best judo guy could be, you know, some, I don't know, Sangalese guy. Or, hey, the best BJJ guy could actually be a Canadian. Or, oh, hey, the best blah, blah, blah could be the best, could be blah, blah, blah. You know, it could be, uh, yeah, like the best um, Shotokan guy could be French. It's just, it's... um. Well, I was, just, I was actually just getting ready to say, you know, some of the best chefs in the world are not French. Right. So, you know? okay. So, so let's make a comparison. What, when you, when I say highest level chefs in the world, where does your mind go? Does it go to, to Massimo down in Italy? Does it go to Gordon Ramsay up in England? Does it go to, um, what's his name from, uh, the, the, the French kitchen? What's, what's his name? What's his name? I, I forget his name. Todd, Todd English. Is that right? Or am I thinking of something else? Think, think, I have his books. That's something else, yeah. The French Laundry. I'm looking at his books right now because I, I have them and I cannot read the name of it. Yeah. Or the, the French. Uh, I think it's the French Laundry or something or something like that. French Laundry, yeah. Yeah. and Or you, or you have like uh, Jacques Pepin and you have like, oh, traditional mm. like greats. Like where does your mind go? Does it have a specific kind of thought process like that? Like, oh, well, usually they're French or usually they're Italian or usually they're blah, blah, blah. So, well, I was just getting ready to say, so it's kind of like with martial arts, like, that's where I would ask you, it's like, oh, who do you think is the best martial artist? And it's like, okay, well, now are we talking Kung Fu, Taekwondo, Jiu Jitsu, you know, so it, in, in, in relation to chef, it's like, okay, but in what cuisine? Ah. Who do I think is the best in Italian, in Chinese, Japanese, Indian, Mexican, American? Okay, how about all That's around? That's kind of the so, comparison. So here's the thing. If you say, if you asked me who is the best martial artist, and I would say at what, and you said all of martial arts, I would say to what I've experienced, Demetrius Johnson. I think Mighty Mouse is the best martial artist I've physically seen with my eyes. From a technique, okay. execution, knowledge base, adaptability, just, I would say... Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson is the best martial artist I've ever seen. Um, does that mean he's the best boxer, the best jujitsu, the best? Ju- no, but he is the complete package. You know what I mean? Him or GSP? It's it's for me. It's still those two guys. Um, when I say best chef, and and I say overall, you just throw them in the kitchen. They're gonna crush. Best it. versatile, or as versatile as possible. Just they crush uh, it. If you put them in the kitchen, they're gonna crush it no matter what, no matter what it is. Mm. God damn. 
Oh man, I was just put on the spot. Um, well, I would ha- probably have to. S- really hard. It's a really hard question. <laughs> it is very. You know what it is. It is really hard, and I only say that because with martial arts, right? If you're doing martial arts, you're 100 percent committing to a style. Are you though? Whereas, wait, 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 wait. Are you though? Because so if you're a mixed martial gonna, artist. Well, here's where I was getting at, right? Okay, so, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. When it comes to cooking, there's the French method, right. where you aim to be a three Michelin star chef working in this amazing restaurant. The kitchen is 24-7 immaculate. Or you could be a short order cook with zero uh, like professional training, zero percent professional training whatsoever. You just, you know, you, you, cook, you cook up some omelets and pancakes here and there. So, I mean, even street-style fighting is considered brawling, which is a style, you know? Sprawl and brawl, Chuck Liddell. You know, if you throw a punch, it's still a punch, no matter how you throw it. True. You know what I mean? There's, it's so... It, it's tough. It, it's like I'm trying to think of someone who can make a like a bomb ass like burger or just like an omelet, and then cut to them making like fragois, you know, so, somewhere else. And- right, right. So it's very mainstream, but I'm gonna say it. But Gordon Ramsay, in my eyes, I don't know if it's because of the publicity of his talents, but I've seen shows where he travels to, you know, India, and he's he's just going out in the wild with the, with the locals and they're showing him dishes that they make and he figures it out. And then he makes his own version. He, I know he studied mm. in, in France. I think it was in Paris mm-hmm. where he had his apprenticeship and he, he has a very good French ba- uh, background from it with uh, French cooking. Um, he doesn't really seem to touch Italian food. I think uh, that's a matter of either it's not advertised or he just sticks to more, uh, the more rustic stuff. He has a good a splash of American influence because of his business ventures in America. Like he has yeah. his famous cheeseburger. He has, you know, he does his own like American breakfast takes and uh, like fried chicken takes and stuff like that. I think he's, but that's the problem. Is he the most versatile because of just the, uh, the scope of what we've seen of his products, of his brand? Like is Demetrius Johnson really the best I've ever seen? Because, he is, or is it because it's just he was on the most accessible form of watching somebody fight in the UFC? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So it's it's hard to tell. It's it's a hard judge, but but that was just more being curious. That wasn't me trying to make a point. I was just curious where you would go with it. I mean, I would have to say Ramsey. I think I think um I was try I was you know what, and I'm not gonna lie, I was trying my best to avoid that. Yeah, I know. But I know. it's too it's too stereotypical. It's, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I guess Jacques Pepin is kind of the OG of, of it all, you know. But, um, again, I feel like he his base is so heavy in French cuisine. It, like, it's so, so heavy in French cuisine. Yeah. It's just not as versatile as some other people. I think he's, you know, one of the best at French cuisine. Um, some people might say the best, but... It's just that was just me being curious because we're friends. 
So that was just that's the guy who was with uh, Julia Child, right? He like co-starred. Uh, I think so. I think for a bit, yeah. I think he did. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I'll be honest. I didn't. I wasn't watching cooking shows back then, so I, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. So, anything you want to end on? Actually, have you watched any of uh, any of the recent UFC pay per views since they've been doing them on Fight Island? Uh, yes, I watched the. Uh, which one was it? I watched the Max Holloway Alexander Volkanovsky one with Rose Namajunas uh, versus Jessica mm. Andrade. I watched that. I watched some of the Darren Till versus uh, Robert Whitaker. Watched some of that. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely really interesting. I really like the fact that there's no crowd noise. I, I it, it was a, a weird experience at first, but now I really like it because I don't know. It seems more real. It seems like you're just watching yeah. like somebody do Rondori, like somebody just taking turns in the middle of the mat. You know what I mean? That's what it feels like. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not gonna lie. Maybe this was just my stupidity, but the way they advertise this shit. I honestly thought these fights were going to take place on the goddamn beach. <laughs> no, that was no, like, no, 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 no. That that was the marketing. They were trying to market it as that. They were trying to make the right. idea of it be no. Dana White bought a fucking island and he put an octagon on it. But in reality, it was just no. It's an island that's away from everything else because it's in the middle of the desert. That's really what it is. Yeah, I. You know, it's funny because it's like you already did what a couple of pay per views. Back in the States, and I thought they were doing pretty well, considering people were having these thoughts exactly what you pointed out. Like, the fights have actually been even more interesting without a crowd. Why even do the island thing? Um, I think it's because it's easier to control the possible exposures outside of... So the UFC can only control what happens on site. So you have to realize that if somebody gets sick, with, like, infected with COVID... That's loss. That's that's a profit. That that's losing money for the UFC. We flew you out here, like we flew you to a location. We flew your coaching staff. We're housing you. We have on-site medical treatments. We have to do promos mm-hmm. and media. There's a lot of payments involved for you as a product of our brand to go out there and perform. And now you can't. Now we're in the hole, and we just lost a fight on our fight card. On top of the fact that we have bad publicity. So from a business perspective. They do everything they can to control people's exposure. And all the major leagues are doing it, the NHL, the MLB. They're all trying to control the exposure that their athletes, a.k.a. their products, um, run into because they want to minimize all that. However, when you're in, I don't know, fucking... I'm trying to think of a state that's super loosey-goosey. All right, you're in Arizona, right? Or Florida. I think it was in Florida. Florida doesn't give a fuck. Like, whatever. Everything is open. Masks don't do anything. Whatever. The virus isn't real. If you have your products there in that environment, all it takes is them, somebody from their coaching staff saying, oh, are you craving like a veggie smoothie? I'll go get you a veggie smoothie. And that person leaves the site and they get a veggie smoothie and then they get infected and they come back. They just infected everybody. And they just, now you have that Mm. impact. When you have it in the middle of the fucking desert in, in like Abu Dhabi at 2 to 6 a.m. in the morning, it minimizes what they can do because they can't go anywhere. Where are you going to go? You're in the hotel. Yeah. 
It's super late. Everything's closed. We're driving you out to the middle of the desert at midnight so you can get ready for your fight. You're fighting at 2 a.m. <laughs> or, or 6 a.m. And uh, it minimizes the possibility of you wandering off in an environment that's ripe with COVID cases. So that, it's more of they're stranding them away from the possibility of external COVID factors. That's really why they do it. If I had to guess from a business perspective, if I had to guess. Because the last thing you need is the media okay. story of, oh, well, this one fighter whose fight ended or who's like, who's training, like, you know, somebody from his group went out and met a fan who was trying to take a picture and the fan was sick and now that guy's sick and he gave it to the fighter who gave it to everybody in the training room because they were all in the training room. So half the card is infected and now everything's called off and we paid all these people and we paid for the transport and we paid for the services and we rented everything out and now it's all going down the fucking drain. They're out hundreds of thousands of dollars easily. Mm. So it's minimizing, in my opinion, the risk of that happening. Of Well, where are you going to go? What fans are going to be here? No fans because we're in the middle of the desert. <laughs> like... There's no chance of this going sideways. We can control the yeah. environment and make it more predictable on our end and for our um, for our benefit by putting you in the middle of nowhere. Mm. That's really what it is. Gotcha. I mean, if I had to guess, I don't know. I'm not Dana White. Yeah. But. All right, buddy. Well, I'm glad you have a routine. I'm looking forward to hearing how it goes next week. Um well, technically, I'll hear it the week after. Um, you should definitely watch Ip Man 4 on Netflix. Yeah, I'm going to have to. So I can to. get your opinion um, on that movie. And, uh, yeah, bud. Sounds Always good. Always catching up. Yeah, definitely. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. All right peace. Peace. Peace.